Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. In 1924, Witness Lee was dynamically saved by the Lord as a young man in his native China, and he promptly consecrated the rest of his life to the gospel. He co-labored with Watchman Nee for parts of the next three decades, and in 1962, Witness Lee was led by the Lord to come to the United States. During his 35 years of service to the Lord in America, he ministered in weekly meetings and weekend conferences, delivering thousands of spoken messages. Much of his speaking has since been published as more than 400 titles, many of which have been translated into numerous foreign languages. He gave his last public conference in February 1997 at the age of 91. We're happy today to be able to bring you recorded excerpts from his speaking and encourage you to contact us if you have any further questions or comments. Please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. It should come as a surprise to no one, really, that God is revealed in the Bible. But that is not all. Of course, many things are revealed. But primarily, three things are shown to us in the Bible. God, mankind in general, and even yourself in particular, and of course, Christ. Well, it's very easy to see God manifest in the pages of the Bible, and if we look at the story of God's people throughout history in the pages of the Bible, we'll also see man. But to see Christ unveiled is not so easy. Deuteronomy, we find, is an extract of the entire Bible, and it too primarily reveals these three main things. Bob Danker has joined us as we come to our sixth program. Welcome back, Bob. It's good to have you here. It's always good to be with you, Chris. Uh, I really do love this book, Deuteronomy, which is uh, a re-speaking of the law by Moses to the children of Israel, actually the second generation of the children of Israel, after they had come out of Egypt and had passed through the wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Now they have come to the Jordan River, and they're ready to enter into the good land. Bob, before we get to that, and that's really the heart of our uh, program today, I do want to touch this matter that we referred to in the introduction today, and that is that the Bible reveals these three things, God, man, and Christ. Let's talk about that for a moment or two. Yes, Chris. Actually, in the book of Deuteronomy and in the entire Bible itself, we can see God is manifested. And what kind of God is he? Well, he's a God of love. He's a God of righteousness. He's a God of faithfulness, and he's a God of blessing. Mm. This is four characteristics of God or attributes of God as manifested in the entire Bible. Then also, uh, in Deuteronomy and in the Bible, man is exposed. What is man? Well, man in himself is nothing but a failure. Right. He's absolutely unable to meet the requirements of God who is holy, righteous, and faithful. Man cannot satisfy God's requirements. This is the exposing of mankind in general that the Bible gives us. And finally, the good news is that Christ is unveiled to uh, meet the need of man who is basically in himself a failure. And in Deuteronomy, we have three aspects of Christ unveiled. First of all, Christ is unveiled as the unique prophet of God. Then he is unveiled in this book 
as the good land, the very land of Canaan. He is the reality of the good land, mm. and this good land is the goal that God has prepared for his people. And uh, the third aspect of Christ that's unveiled in Deuteronomy is that Christ is the word of God, wow. that we may receive him as our life and our life supply, and by doing that, we may have the strength and the ability to enter into him and to possess him as our inheritance according to God's ordained goal for all of us. God has set the goal before us. This goal is Christ. But in order for us to reach God's goal, we need Christ to be the word to supply us with himself. Well, let's pick up the story you uh, had us about to this point a moment ago. Again now, the children of Israel had come to the entrance of the good land very shortly after receiving the law and the revelation of the tabernacle and the ark. Uh, But a failure, a major failure, caused God to prohibit them from entering in at that time. And 38 years, an entire generation is spent with their wandering in the wilderness, really with a purpose that we'll find out about in this first section. Uh, Let's pick it up at Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 14. It says, And the time that we spent in going from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed over the brook Zered was 38 years, until all the generation of the men of war was consumed from the midst of the camp, as Jehovah had sworn to them. Moreover, the hand of Jehovah was against them to purge them from the midst of the camp until they were consumed. So when all the men of war were consumed from the midst of the people, And dead, then Jehovah spake to me, saying, You are to pass through the territory of Moab through Ar today. So, Bob, let's join Witness Lee with our first portion today. The second part in the review of the past of the children of Israel is the wandering from Kedesh, Barnea, to the crossing of the brook. You know, where was that is the entry to the good land. Now, God commanded them to leave that entry. To do what? To wander in the wilderness for 38 years. 38 years to consume man's flesh and unbelief. What we have, nothing but flesh and unbelief. Unbelief is absolutely departing from God. This has to be consumed. Our flesh has to be consumed. Our unbelief has to be consumed. To say this is easy. To experience this, it takes time. With the children of Israel, it took 38 years. On the one hand, these years were wasted. But, on the other hand, they were needed. Needed to consume our flesh and unbelief and also to manifest God's mercy and blessing. My, in those 38 years, God was very much exercised. Exercised in his love toward these unbelieving people. How could his love be extended to such an unbelieving people? By mercy. By mercy. And by blessing. 
You have to realize without mercy, God's grace cannot reach us. We are too low, too far away from Him. His grace just cannot reach us. But He has mercy. His mercy extends much farther than His grace. So, by His mercy and under His mercy, He still could bless us. Do you know today we are under His mercy? We have to pray, Lord, we need your mercy. Our situation is far off for your grace. But thank you. Your grace could be extended to reach us. We trust in your blessing. We don't trust in what we can do. We don't trust in our laboring. We trust in your blessing. Bob, on one hand, it would be very easy to look at this 38-year period and see it in the context of a wasted time, something lost. But the Lord was very occupied. He was very exercised during this period. I like verse 7 in chapter 2. It says, For Jehovah your God has blessed you in all your doings. He knows your journeying through this great wilderness. These 40 years Jehovah your God has been with you. You have not lacked a thing. We really see God manifest here, don't we? We do, uh, Chris, and as we mentioned earlier, we see God's people who are representative of all mankind, including us, are exposed to the uttermost. What are we in ourselves? We are just the totality of flesh and unbelief. In order for God to fulfill his purpose with us, God has to take a certain period of time to consume this flesh and this unbelief. So, although it appeared that this time of wandering was a waste, actually God was doing something positive to consume the flesh and the unbelief of his people so that he could fulfill his purpose with them. Well, during the time that he was doing this consuming work, he extended to his people his love with his mercy and his grace. This shows that God is full of love and full of mercy and grace toward us even when we are not able to meet his requirements, even when we are failing, Mm. even while we're being exposed as to what we really are. And this is a marvelous thing concerning God, that he is a God of love, mercy, and grace. If he were not, how could we fulfill his purpose? Suppose God was not merciful toward us, then there would be no way for God to gain a people that he could use to carry out his heart desire. Bob, at this point, uh, the Lord leads the children of Israel uh, into battle against two kings that were guarding the entrance to the good land. One king named Sihon, who was king of the Amorites, and the other king named Og, who was the king of Bashan. And the Lord gained the victory with the children of Israel on that day. And verse 3 of chapter 3 tells us, And Jehovah our God also gave Og, the king of Bashan, as well as all his people into our hand, and we slew them until there was no survivor left. So, Bob, we see the children of Israel now having removed the last obstacle uh, between them and entering into the good land. And here is Moses before this new generation, yet at the same time, no doubt remembering all those who perished in the wilderness. This must have left him with some mixed feelings, as we'll discover in this coming portion. My, when they came to the plain east of Jordan, 
on the one hand, Moses was not that happy. But on the other hand, when Moses noticed in front of him all new generations, only two old folks there. If you were a Moses, would you not be happy? You'd be excited. But within him, I do believe there should have been a deep sighing. He sighed. For what? You know, he saw all those old generations. When she first spoke to them, he was 80 already. Many of them were just 20, 30 years of age. But after 40 years, all of the old ones whom he saw at Sinai, he couldn't see any longer. Only two. If you were he, you would sigh, oh, sorry. All the fathers are gone. Only the sons here. The old generation is gone. Only the new generation. By what way God changed the generation? By the way of consuming. Why? Because God must produce a new generation for the fulfilling of God's purpose. Okay. Moses could never forget the defeating of the two kings, the two gate guards, Sihon and Ak. Israel took away the guards of the gate, so the gate became free to them. They were all slain. The defeating of the two gate guards, that is the beginning, listen, of taking possession of the good land. That was the first time to take possession of the good land. That was a real memorial. For your Moses there, would you not be happy to see what you told them is now being fulfilled? At least the first part of the good land was taken and was given and passed over. Moses was happy to do this. He passed over the taken land to the two and a half tribes. That was a security to the victory and possession of the remainder of God's promised good land. Uh, Bob, that was a, a very skillful presentation. It really took us into the heart of uh, Moses. I think listening to that now, we can all at least identify or at least sympathize with some of these strong emotions that he had to be feeling. Uh, on the one hand, a kind of a grieving. On the other hand, uh, an, an elation for God raising up a new generation. And also uh, at least a foretaste of what was ahead in that they had now the opportunity to pass through at least the first part of the good land. That's right, Chris. Moses all along had been speaking to them on behalf of God, telling the people that God would bring them into the good land. Yet the people did not believe his word, that first generation. So God had to discipline them by allowing them to wander for 38 years. Eventually they were consumed. Surely this must have made Moses sad. But then, on the other hand, he saw the new generation uh, that had been raised up through that time of wandering. And uh, God was sovereign in leading the people into the good land from the east to the west. And on the east side, there were these two kings, Sihon and Og. 
Brother Lee called them the gate guards of the good land. Right. So here was the first fighting between Israel and the enemies or the occupants of the land. And as Moses told them on behalf of God, they did defeat these two kings, and they left no survivors. This also must have encouraged Moses that now he was seeing the word of God being carried out. And this must also have been a strong encouragement to this new generation, causing them to realize that God is indeed faithful. And if they would be one with God, they would indeed enter into the land, dispossess all the tribes who lived in that land, and take possession of it. It was a kind of a, as Brother Lee points out, a security to them. Yes. Testifying that, yes, if they would follow the Lord and be one with him, they would have a success in entering into the land and taking possession of it. Given the fact that 38 years before, the Lord told him specifically, do not attempt to go in. If you do, I will not go with you. And this time, uh, everything has changed. This must have been, as you said, a great satisfaction to Moses, a real vindication of God's word and his purpose. But uh, there's a very unfortunate event that is about to be unfolded relating to Moses and what about his entering into the good land. We see this in chapter 3, a little dialogue between Moses and the Lord that he opens up to the children of Israel. Let me bring those verses out, beginning at verse 23. And I pleaded with Jehovah at that time, saying, O Lord Jehovah, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do things like what you have done and things like your mighty deeds? Let me please cross over and see the good land, that it is across the Jordan, this fine hill country and Lebanon. But Jehovah was infuriated with me on your account and did not listen to me. And Jehovah said, Enough, speak no more to me about this matter. Oh, tremendous disappointment for Moses, Bob. Yes, it was, Chris. He wanted desperately to enter into the land, but he was forbidden. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Israel defeated the two guards and took over the first mile of the Golan. I say, first fruit, the foretaste. So this was a real joy to Moses. But the following point is a beautiful thing. To Moses, then Moses was rejected, was refused in a matter of entering into the God promised good land. And Joshua was assigned to bring the people to possess the land as their inheritance. Why? Because God must carry out his governmental administration. Moses was mistaken in that one thing. And that mistake touched God's governmental practice. So God just cannot tolerate. God just cannot sacrifice his practice of his governmental administration for his love toward Moses. God cannot do that. God's love is not a spoiling love, but all the way a perfecting love. Even God dealt with Moses in that way. That perfected the children of Israel. They all should have learned a lesson. Even his faithful, honest servants 
who has been serving him over 40 years, he made just a little mistake in just one instant. But that mistake touched his governmental dealing. And God would not let Moses go. So Moses lost the right to enter into the Golan. And he saw the first part of Golan was gained and was given to the two and a half tribes through his hand. Yet he himself cannot enter into. How about this? This shows God's righteous government and administration and causes the children of Israel to have more fear of God's righteous dealing, to perfect them. It was a kind of punishment to Moses, but the punishment Moses suffered was a perfecting to the children of Israel. He has been disciplined. He experienced the seriousness of God's dealing hand. No joke. So, like an aged, loving father to his beloved children, he advised them repeatedly to keep God's statutes and judgments. Bob, this loving God is manifested here, but I, I had to make note of one phrase. God's love is not a spoiling love, but all the way a perfecting love. How do we see God's perfecting love in what Moses is suffering here? Well, we might think that Moses' failure in Numbers chapter 20, mm-hmm. when he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock, right. was a small thing. But this failure of Moses touched God's government in a negative way. And so God, who is not only loving but also righteous, came in to deal with Moses according to his governmental administration, and he was very strict with Moses. But the reason he did that was for the sake of perfecting not only Moses but the children of Israel who were observing the way God was dealing with Moses. This doesn't mean that he doesn't love us. In fact, it means that he does love us. But his love is not a spoiling love. It is a love that perfects us. And I was reminded of those verses in Hebrews 12, where it says, Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. And the reason for his discipline, according to Hebrews 12, is that we would partake of his holiness. So this is a perfecting love, a love that disciplines God's people for the sake of perfecting them. And this shows us, again, what kind of God we have. Well, we began the program by talking about how Deuteronomy is an extract of the whole Bible will show us the same three things, God, man, and Christ. At least today we've seen a lot about man, but mostly what a wonderful God we have, loving and yet not spoiling perfecting, and really a God who will go uh, to any lengths to maintain his promise and fulfill his purpose. Marvelous uh, message today, wasn't it? Marvelous, Chris. Only a God like this could cause people like us to fulfill his purpose. Amen, Brother Bob. Thank you for your fellowship and help today, and uh, come back very soon. 
I'd be glad to do that. Well, we invite you back also very soon. Before we go, we'd like to give you our toll-free number and also invite you to call us. We'd love to talk with you about all this life study of Deuteronomy, what we're presenting each day, and uh, give you the opportunity to receive these printed messages as well. That toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Also, our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or you can send email to radio at lsm.org. Or join us at our website, which is simply www.lifestudy.com and from there you can have access to any of our past programs that are archived for you and uh, we hope you'll join us again as we continue this life study of Deuteronomy seeing God and man and most of all Christ unveiled thank you for listening today I'm Chris Wilde for Bob Danker Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.